0: All right, now we have a sermonette brought to us by our elder, Mr. Barnabas Grayson, entitled, This Day, This Fast. Well, good afternoon, everyone. Of all the feast days, yes. Stand by. Stand by. Start all over here. All right. Okay. Start again. Hello, everyone. (laughs) Of all the feast days or holy days of the eternal, the Day of Atonement is the most solemn and the most different. On the other feast days, we feast, we eat, and we drink, we're nourished and joyful and strengthened, but, you know, no potluck today. On this day, we fast, as the scripture tells us, we afflict our souls by abstaining from eating and drinking those, you know, regular, routine, normal things that we do every day, because if we don't, we eventually get weak, and we... Eventually, he could die if we were cut off from all of that. This day, however, we know is not without nourishment of a spiritual nature, of course, leading to everlasting life. In the book of John, chapter 4, Jesus left Judea, and he departed again unto Galilee, and he had to go through Samaria, and he came to a city of Samaria which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now, Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour, about around high noon. And there came a woman of Samaria to draw water, and Jesus said unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy food, or to buy meat. Then said the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If you knew the gift of God, and we know that the gift of God is eternal life, it is salvation, and who it is that says to you, Give me to drink, you would have asked of him and he, would have given thee living water, and the woman said unto him, "Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence do you have uh, this that living water?" So it was seen by the Samaritan woman that uh, in terms of the physical need for water, and she asked, "Are you greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle?" And Jesus answered and he said unto her, Whosoever drinks of this water shall thirst again. And that's the little sign we have out there above the water fountain. Whoever drinks of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever shall drink of the water that I shall give him he, uh, shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. I suppose that our desire for water is strongest when we begin uh, uh, the Day of Atonement at this time, you know. And it's usually the thing that I tank up on before sundown and uh, fill up on. I know I do this because I know I'm going to be more thirsty than I will be hungry. It's not easy to go without water. And it does take a strong physical and uh, spiritual person to practice uh, afflicting the soul. I remember the first time that I kept the Day of Atonement, my wife and I, Carolyn, we were in the Panhandle of Oklahoma and we went down to Amarillo for services. And we rode down with a, a friend of ours and uh, she put a lot of Dr. Pepper in her, uh, the trunk of her car. And every time she would open the, the trunk of the car, I would see this Dr. Pepper there and begin lusting, not waiting for sundown. And as sundown approached, it kept getting dimmer and dimmer. And I thought, well, it's time for Dr. Pepper, you know. And uh, I was really thirsty. And uh, eventually, I did have a taste of this Dr. Pepper. And apparently, they drink it warm. So, but it tasted good nevertheless. But our we have a desire for strong, you know, for drink for for water. That's usually the thing. Uh, There are some young children and elderly, of course, and those on medication uh, who cannot, you know, do without it without doing bodily harm to their bodies. So it takes godly wisdom and judgment to know uh, what they must do. But this day of fasting is often spoken of by the rabbis as simply Yoma or the day. So this is the day, the day of atonement, the day we fast. Now, this day was delivered by the Eternal to Moses after the death of his two sons, uh, the sons of Aaron, that is, when they offered before the Lord and died. And in Leviticus 16, we are told the reason for this day. This day shall be a statute, a law forever unto you. In the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month, ye shall afflict your souls and do no work at all, whether it be one of your own country. Or a stranger that sojourns among you. For on that day shall the priest make an atonement for you. To cleanse you that you may be clean from all your sins before the Lord. So we see this day was a day of national atonement for ancient Israel. And it also speaks of a future time. Verse 31. It shall be a Sabbath of rest. You know, a day of ceasing from, from work. And you shall afflict your souls by statute forever and the priest whom he shall appoint and whom he shall consecrate to minister in the priest's office in his father's stead shall make the atonement and shall put on the linen clothes even the holy garments and we see that the priest had to offer a bullock for his as his sin offering for himself and for his house verse 33 and he shall make an atonement for the holy sanctuary He shall make an atonement for the tabernacle of the congregation and for the altar. And he shall make an atonement for the priest and for all the people of the congregation. And this shall be an everlasting statute unto you, to make an an atonement for the children of Israel, for all their sins once a year. And he did as the Lord commanded Moses. So we see the purpose of this day is as a day of expiation of all sin which is essential to the life and peace and fellowship with with God. In Leviticus uh, 16, verse 16, And he, the high priest, shall make an atonement for the holy place. And the reason is because of the uncleanness of the children of Israel and because of their transgressions and all their sins. So over the course of the year... People you know, brought various sin offerings to the priest, and uh, there were perhaps many sins and many defilements that just sort of slipped through in the course of those things. Some sins in life are obvious, some we do not see, some you know, sin can be deceptive, and they may seem harmless to us when we, when we do, those, do certain things. But some wayward uh, thought, some word, some action, something contrary to holiness may reside like yeast and grow into more ungodliness, if not purged. Pride, gossip, slander, uh, backbiting, resentments, those things. But on this day, God's love and mercy sees that all sins are atoned for when the high priest takes the blood of the sacrifice into the Holy of Holies. And the aim of the priestly service was, was a work of expiation, atoning for the uncleanness of the nation of Israel, just as the work of God through Jesus Christ. The second part of verse 16, "...and so shall he do for the tabernacle of the congregation that remains among them in the midst of their uncleanness." So it too had to go through a cleansing, just as this earth must someday be cleansed of pollution, and decay, and other defilements. But once a year, the high priest went into the Holy of Holies to go before the mercy seat. The word for mercy seat is Kaporet. Hebrew. is from the word Kafar, the same word used for atonement. Now, at this time, it is obvious that there is no Levitical priesthood to carry out all those duties and rituals given to ancient Israel. The bringing of two goats, one chosen by the Lord for sacrifice, the other for Azazel, Bearing away the sins of the people. And the sprinkling of the blood. Or the entry of the high priest. Into the holy of holies. But what we do see. Is that this is a day. Of expiation. A day of expiation for sin. And and to be made at one. With God. So what is obvious of course. Is our call to fast. Our call to uh, rest. And to see that it. That this day is. That this day pointed. To Jesus Christ as the one sacrifice for all sin. In John chapter 2. My little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Hebrews 9. Scripture tells us there, and it describes that ancient ceremony. Verse 1, uh, Then verily the first covenant had also ordinances of divine service and a worldly sanctuary. Uh, first, uh, For there was a tabernacle made, and three, and after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the Holy of Holies, the, uh, which had the golden censer, the Ark of the Covenant, or overlaid round about with gold. In verse 5, uh, over it, the cherubims of glory shadowing the mercy seat. And in verse 6, uh, now when these things were thus ordained, the priest went always into the first tabernacle, accomplishing the service of God. But into the second went the high priest once a year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the heirs of the people. And in verse 9 which was a figure for the time then present in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience, which stood only in meats and drinks and diverse washings and carnal ordinances imposed on them until the times of reformation. So those were physical rituals and symbols that had had meaning towards salvation. Uh, But Christ, being come a high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Having obtained eternal redemption for us. Speaking to us today. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. So we can also see that this day of atonement, this fast, this day is a day that looks also into the future. Let's go to Romans chapter 5, verse 1, Romans 5, verse 1, therefore being justified by faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom also we have access, access by faith into this grace wherein we stand, so we stand in this grace that was made possible for us and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation works patience, patience experience, and experience hope. It's going down to verse seven. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth His love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So, during that day of atonement. And during the time when Christ died, it was not only for that per, uh, that time then, but it was a time for us present. That he commended his love toward us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God, by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. You know, he is... Alive at the right hand of God today, our advocate, our high priest. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we now have now received the atonement. In Luke uh, 4, we see where Christ had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and uh to preach the acceptable year of our Lord. And in verse 21, those that were listening to his words, they said to him, This day is this scripture fulfilled in our ears. And Luke was restating what was said in Isaiah 61 uh, about the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. So we see a time coming when God will set free his people from the bondage of captivity and vengeance on those godless nations who have oppressed them. In Isaiah 58, down in verse 6, Is not this the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, and to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke. You know, to turn around for the good of all, including ourselves, that's the kind of fast pleasing to God. Is it not to deal your bread to the hungry, and that you bring the poor that are cast out to your house when you see the naked, that you cover him, and that you hide not yourself from your own flesh? To be more charitable in our lives. Then shall your light break forth as the morning. And your health shall spring forth speedily. And your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your real reward. So to have hope in God and faith. Is one of the uh, nourishments that we can glean from this day. To know that he is present in our life. Verse 9. Then shall you call and the Lord shall answer. You shall cry and he shall say, Here I am. If you take away from the midst of you the yoke, the putting forth of the finger, and speaking vanity. Let's go on to Revelation 21. So this day is for all to take part in because it is a life changer knowing that God set aside a time when We may realize that he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever should believe in him would have uh, everlasting life. And that's the point of this day, this fast, to be at one with God. Revelation twenty one: a new heaven and a new. I saw a new heaven and a new earth, where the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven, saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And what a great promise these words contain, because in verse 4, God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain. For the former things are passed away. And he that sat on upon the throne said. Behold I make all things new. And he said unto me write. For these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me it is done. I am Alpha and Omega. The beginning and the end. And I will give unto him that is a thirst. Of the fountain of water of life freely. So we serve and we know that we serve a risen, risen Saviour At the right hand of God. And. Let's go to Matthew 6, where I will... Let's first, uh, Matthew 16, first, 6.16. Because it's not just expected that we fast on this day, but throughout our life, in trials and in questions and in doubts, that, you know, uh, we are called upon to fast, not only just for ourselves, but for others. When you fast, uh, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear unto men to fast but anoint your head wash your face that you appear not unto men to fast but unto your father which is in secret in in conclusion though we may hunger and fast at this time uh, Matthew chapter 5 just one scripture there verse 6 blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness for they shall be filled So on this day, this fast, that we are reminded to be at one with God.